Hey, it is the Racer Report. This is Neil Bradley with you. Just a weekly update. There's not going to be a lot to bring you on the Racer Report. As you know, Friday, the Ohio Valley Conference Board of Presidents said we will not be playing fall sports, not just at Murray State, but also will not be playing fall sports anywhere in the OVC. The president's announcing Friday fall competition and championships in the sports of football, men's and women's cross country, soccer, volleyball, postponed until the spring, they hope, amid concerns of COVID-19. Now, football teams can conditionally play up to four non-conference scheduled games. At this time, the only teams right now that are scheduled to play are Austin P. They'll play Central Arkansas and Cincinnati unless another announcement comes forth. And Eastern Kentucky still set to play West Virginia. Murray State's game at Georgia State next month has been canceled. The teams, as you're going to hear in just a bit, have, uh, I think, worked on playing at a later date. Uh, plans to play winter and spring sports remain unaffected at this time. I could go on and on about this, but this morning, uh, Kevin Saul, the Murray State Director of Athletics, had a Zoom meeting with several sports writers. Uh, we pre-submitted questions just so things could roll smoothly. You could ask any question you want, so it wasn't a matter of, I'm not answering that, not answering this. Uh, they just kind of lumped them all in together. I, I think they thought many of us would have the same questions for the most part anyway. So what I'm going to do here is just bring you the Zoom conference and we're going to start, uh, other than some early thank yous, with uh, Kevin Saul as he uh, begins the conference by thanking uh, President Dr. Bob Jackson. A lot of topics are discussed, including basketball. So if you have questions, this is a good chance to maybe get some of those answered. Here is that press conference. While we're talking about thank yous, I want to thank our president, Dr. Jackson, for his leadership and guidance and support of our athletics programs. Um, it's been a monumental tasks since March to get us to this spot where we are uh, first day of classes today. And uh, so it's great to see campus buzzing and, and students walking to class and, and doing all the things that we love uh, to see. Dr. Jackson's heart for young people and, and their development um, is evident. Um, he's got a heart for this university. It's an honor to work with him and his leadership team. Um, as we envision Murray State Athletics, um, its growth and development development in the coming years. So uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank him for his leadership and what, what we do. As you guys know, the OVC announced all fall competition is going to be shifted to the spring um, last Friday. A day prior on Thursday of last week, the NCAA uh, president, Mark Emmert, announced there would be no NCAA championships in the fall, uh, including FCS football. Um, I think it's important to note that uh, for context uh, in today's conversation that beginning in early July, I met with every single one of our teams prior to their arrival on campus. Um, I met with each football position group uh, prior to their arrival on campus. We talked about a lot of things, but the most uh, important piece, the two guiding principles that we talked about uh, were first and foremost, the safety and welfare of our student athletes. Uh, and number two, making smart decisions that put our teams in the best possible position to both compete and practice. And those have been our guiding principles really since March. Um, there's been a lot of questions about the four non-conference games. And I will put it this way that the league discussions originated and centered around providing flexibility for teams with multiple existing pre-scheduled obligations to fulfill those obligations. For us at that point in time, we had one 
uh, with Georgia State. We've reached a, a tentative verbal agreement with Georgia State to explore a future date rather than risk the safety and welfare of our student athletes for one game this fall. Uh, depending on the model that's adopted this spring, there may be an opportunity for us to schedule a non-conference contest. Uh, we'll keep those options open, of course. Um, we'll remain engaged with the institutions who are agreeable to the non-conference games that we had tentatively scheduled this fall with the loss of the Louisville and Tarleton State games. Um, so we'll keep those conversations going as the models become uh, more clear for the spring. We had uh, discussions with multiple uh, non-conference opponents for the fall. Uh, we had positioned ourselves to fill the non-conference schedule. Um, now that said, I think it's really important to understand that we're going to conduct ourselves with integrity. So as I have conversations with those ADs, <clears throat> certainly don't want to be in a position where we overpromise and underdeliver. deliver um, want to be honest and transparent with those ADs. And quite frankly, those ADs likely aren't sending contracts uh, without knowing what our league would do anyway. So um, don't want to hold up dates for those guys this fall. So we waited to sign those contracts until we knew how the league would move forward collectively. Uh, and obviously after Friday's decision, um, uh, there's no need for us, particularly given our stance on safety and welfare, uh, for us to execute those. Okay. Uh, but again, those conversations will be ongoing um, should we have the opportunity for a non-conference game in the spring. Um, all of our student athletes share an equal desire to compete, um, no matter the sport. Um, our coaches, staff, and administration all want to develop young people and compete. That's why we're here. Um, to say that it's any more important for a student athlete in a particular sport over another, I think, is disingenuous. All of our student athletes want to compete. Um, I met with our football program as a full program twice um, after uh, those position group Zoom meetings in early July, uh, once they were here on campus beginning July 20th. Um, since then, between now and July 20th, I met with the full team twice. Uh, the first time we discussed all the variables associated with playing or not, uh, we reviewed details regarding their options to opt out um, if that was a choice they desired to pursue. Um, student athletes had an opportunity to, uh, to share their desires or concerns. In general, I would describe the collective sentiment uh, to be similar to the national conversation. Uh, most, if not all, want to play. All of our coaches, our staff, our student athletes, our administrators, we all want to play. Um, some are concerned for family. Some have small children uh, or elderly or compromised family that they visit often. Um, some are concerned with the heart issues. Um, some want to play regardless of any of those issues. Um, each of our student athletes, I'm confident, understand the difficulty of the decision and the guiding principles we would use to make the decision. Um, again, their safety and their well-being. So when we met the second time on Friday after the announcement was made, um, uh, there's no doubt in my mind our football players understand that their safety and well-being is first and foremost for Murray State. Um, the bottom line is our league made a decision to shift all the sports to the spring uh, in the interest of player safety and the well-being. Some institutions may choose to play uh, based upon a different set of priorities this fall. We're confident in our direction at Murray State. Um, our university administration, coaches, staff, and student athletes are aligned in that decision. Uh, a majority of our athletics programs nationwide, including those with world-class 
medical centers attached to their campuses have decided to postpone fall competition uh, to the spring. Uh, we're not unique in our approach here at Murray State with that. Uh, and really for us at Murray State, um, it didn't make much sense for, for teams to shift conference games to the spring um, due to safety and well-being of our student athletes and then play non-conference games in the fall. And I think one of you guys in your submitted questions actually recognized um, that contradiction, if you will. A majority of the best FCS programs in the country have made the same choice um, when it was their option uh, to pursue non-conference play. I did a little research this weekend. Um, of the 13 FCS leagues, all 13 have postponed conference play uh, for the spring. Um, at the time of the OVC's decision on Friday, 20 or fewer of the 125 FCS programs, so that's 16% at most, were planning to play non-conference games or had yet to announce they were no longer pursuing non-conference games. Um, regarding practice, the NCAA has yet to provide uh, specific guidance for teams choosing to postpone games to the spring and what practice will specifically look like in the fall. We're working in close coordination with the OVC office to establish those guidelines, and we'll take a conservative approach uh, until we get some national guidance, uh, we think, the middle of this week. We'll use the fall much like a traditional spring as an opportunity to get stronger, faster, uh, more technically sound. Uh, keep in mind, guys, our football program and the new staff have had less than 10 practices in pads since January. Uh, so this fall will be, will be critical in our team's development. Uh, several questions regarding the finances associated with recent developments. Uh, as you've seen nationally, decisions to prioritize the safety and well-being of our, of our young people can and do have financial impacts, and that's okay. Um, it's, it's the right thing to do, regardless of that. Our department's budget is built upon planned revenues and planned expenses. Uh, in short, both revenues and expenses are impacted by this decision. Uh, we'll work collectively as a department to tighten our belt, as many departments will do uh, nationwide uh, on the expense side, and then maximize revenue uh, in order to provide a quality experience for our young people. I'm incredibly proud of our student athletes, coaches, and staff. Uh, they've gone through a lot in the last five, five and a half months, uh, particularly the student athletes that started voluntary workouts in early June. Um, very conservative in our approach uh, to that. Um, the student athletes in football, men's and women's basketball, uh, who have come back for summer access dates, uh, have fought through a lot of adversity. Um, a lot of inconveniences to be able to do that and do that well. I'm very proud of the way that they've managed their business, our coaches and our student athletes and our staff, and it's reflective um, in um, how successful our time was together in terms of, of practicing um, um, this, this summer. So um, I know we're headed in the right direction. Um, certainly is a disappointing time in terms of uh, for our fall sports student athletes. Uh, but we will, uh, we will do the right thing and, and keep moving forward. Um, David, you, you've got a list of some other questions. Maybe we can kind of walk through conversationally. And, and of course, guys, if you've got other questions, feel free to, to uh, chat. You can type in the chat um, to Dave, and, and we'll make sure we get to those. That sounds good, Kevin. Um, so uh, the, the next question would be, uh, as we've gained our knowledge, uh, since March and the new knowledge that we we get all the time 
Can you speak to the special measures uh, that have been, been taken by us in order so we can travel and how much more the, the cost is going to be when we do start being able to travel to games? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, as all know, the guidance changes daily and sometimes hourly. Um, so we initially in athletics put together about five or six different committees that reported up to uh, the athletics subcommittee for campuses restart plan and have been working through those logistics really since last March. I think it's important for the group to understand that the NCAA has testing protocols for programs and sports, whether they're in season or out. So every sport program of the, uh, uh, the 90 sports uh, that are sponsored throughout the country, every sport um, is assigned a high, medium, or low risk uh, designation. And then within that specific sport, testing requirements vary whether you're in season or out of season. Um, and so it really starts with that. Um, you get into the week, weekly testing protocols uh, that are part of in-season sports, particularly in the fall, um, the recommendations for daily screening. Um, and so we've been operating daily screening since early June to get into either the CFSB uh, Center or Stewart Stadium, um, going through those protocols. Um, our travel plans involve uh, everything that you would possibly imagine, distancing on the bus, how we manage team meals differently, uh, then going in a mass group to a, to a restaurant, um, decisions on roommates. Uh, really, a lot of those discussions get very granular and in the weeds, um, requiring that we have a sport administrator or a medical professional on each trip to administer the, the screening protocols. Um, each team, as you travel and go to another OVC institution, would be required to certify that all the student athletes that show up in uniform um, have passed the NCAA-mandated testing protocols, uh, and went through that particular day's screening process. Um, so uh, a little bit more weight uh, to the responsibilities as, as we're traveling. Um, and then obviously you've got requirements for folks that are on the bench. Student athletes and coaches that are on the bench have masking requirements and those sort of things as well. Um, so it's important to understand that we get our national guidance from the NCAA. Uh, the OVC has had several committees uh, operating in particularly a medical group comprised of athletic trainers and team physicians throughout the league uh, that had been, been advising us on travel and daily protocols as well. Um, so obviously uh, significant adjustments there. Well, one of the first things I know we all thought of uh, after the announcement on Friday was uh, when can we expect the revised schedule, not only for football, but for everything else. And I guess that kind of leads us into, you know, it's going to be a lot going on in the spring. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. It's a fair question. Um, just again, mechanically understanding that there are several <clears throat> entities to which um, we are held responsible and we get direction from. Um, first off is the NCAA. Uh, the NCAA made a decision on championships. Uh, there's a Division I council that meets and discusses those with the Board of Presidents and the NCAA. And there are oversight committees for each sport. So the football oversight committee uh, has and will make recommendations for what a spring schedule looks like. Once the start and finish dates for the competitive spring schedule are established, then we'll, we'll back up into practice dates. Um, understanding how many weeks of competition we have in the spring will inform the OVC's decision in terms of how many league games uh, we will play. Uh, and then in addition to any non-conference games that may be available in that, that period of time as well. So those are discussions are ongoing 
and uh, we anticipate having some clarity on that uh, very soon. Kevin, do you feel like uh, basketball will be pushed back and, and maybe speak to the possibility of having a bubble for basketball? Yeah, so I think at this point it would be speculation uh, for me to, to comment on the timing of basketball season starting. I will tell you if you caught it last week, the Pac-12, when they made their announcement, they were – uh, postponing all sports, canceling all sports through the end of the year, uh, which is a, a statement on basketball, particularly in that league. Um, we've not received the national direction yet on basketball season start and finish dates, um, although we do understand there are several possible models, and we've seen those. Um, given the NCAA's recent decision on fall championships and the fact that the first week of fall championships coincides with the start of basketball season, um, at this time, uh, it's reasonable to assume that we, it may impact basketball season. Uh, but we'll continue to work through that with the, the oversight, basketball oversight committee and the NCAA and our league um, and establish a league schedule based on that national uh, direction. Uh, we have communicated several possibilities with our season ticket holders um, so that they understand uh, what it could potentially look like. We'll make sure we're, we're transparent um, with that communication as well. So the OBC schedule will be built on national guidance parameters established. Um, and if we do have a later start date, again, that's not a foregone conclusion. Uh, it's certainly a possibility. Uh, Kevin, Neil had just to follow up when we're talking about scheduling. Um, do, do you think the, the, the spring football schedule is going to be a full uh, eight games? Um, and would that include the bye week? And I guess the possibility is open that some OVC teams may not play. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I anticipate there could be an option for us to play a full conference schedule uh, in the spring. Um, that there may not be an option for that. Um, as soon as we get our national guidance, Neil, on um, start date, first date of competition, then we can back up when camp would start. Um, and then understanding from the NCAA, as, as I mentioned earlier, that the FCS championship has been postponed to the spring as well. So there will be a date that will be required to uh, provide an automatic qualifier if one is accepted into the, the FCS playoffs, and then we'll, we'll manage our dates uh, from there. And I think you just asked the, the other follow-up there from Adam was the, the fact that when the uh, FCS playoffs was pushed was not going to be held this fall that absolutely had an effect um, on everything else. I, I think it certainly has an effect nationally. Uh, yeah. When that announcement was made on Thursday, I think we saw between the start of the day on Thursday and the end of the day on Friday, I think we had four or five leagues that made the decision to go ahead and push uh, to the spring based on the championship decision. Okay. Uh, and I kind of had to, just so everybody knows, it kind of had the questions divided up into football, basketball, medical, and general. So um, one of the medical questions that we received, Kevin, was if you could speak to the, the medical advice that athletics has been uh, given and what is just the basic me medical approach to what we're doing. Yeah, and you guys are hearing a lot of it in the media, um, and it's not – not unique to us in terms of uh, standard day-to-day -day life. But I will tell you that it has been a challenging time because uh, none of us in athletics are epidemiologists or doctors or cardiologists. So we've got to lean on uh, trusted advice and counsel from our healthcare professionals, from our, our health 
health department from the state, um, regional health departments, local health departments, and our relationship with primary care on campus has been very critical in the medical component. I would say in general that our approach has been careful and conservative, thoughtful and thorough. Um, we had a, cho a choice to bring uh, the national date for summer access for football was July 13th, and we chose to bring football back on the 20th because we wanted to be careful and conservative and thoughtful and, and thorough in our approach. We did the same thing with basketballs. Basketballs could come back on the 20th, and we brought them back on the 27th. Um, so that was intentional. Uh, when we did bring football back, we, we started, we did 25% of the team every day um, so that we were managing a small number of individuals. Um, so again, those are just a couple of examples of a, just a careful and conservative uh, approach. We pushed the non-football fall sports, so volleyball, uh, women's soccer, cross country. We pushed those, those report dates back to the day of student move-in, which was August 10th. Uh, when we could have brought them in earlier as well. Now, at that point in time, we knew that uh, those seasons were pushed to uh, start no earlier than September 17th. So there really wasn't, from a health and safety standpoint and preparation for the season, was no need to bring those guys back any earlier than, than August 10th. So again, another example of that careful approach. You know, the basic facts that you hear, the hygiene, masks, social distancing, all those things apply. Uh, with, with athletics as well and what we do day to day. Um, space capacities in rooms have been adjusted just like they have in classrooms on campus. So I'll give you an example, a weight room where we could run a normal weight workout for 30 to 40 individuals. We reduced that capacity down to 16 beginning in early June. Um, so we've got 16 squat weight racks in, that, in the facility over here at Stewart Stadium. And I think we reduced the, if I recall correctly, the CFSB down to eight. So significantly less capacity um, and volume in our spaces. Uh, our large football meeting room that's at the, the bottom floor of Stewart Stadium has 107 chairs in it. We reduced capacity down to 25. So we could maintain six foot of distancing within those, those meeting spaces. We got creative with some other meeting spaces um, so that we could maintain that distancing. But those are examples of, of what we've done from a medical standpoint. Uh, we've been very thorough and aggressive in our testing protocols and frequency. Uh, we have screened every day, every, every morning. Um, that's been our staff and our athletic trainers uh, screening every morning since uh, early June to make sure that we're catching uh, any high temperatures or symptom checks uh, with folks coming into the, the facilities. Uh, we've managed quarantine and, and isolation uh, protocols per the racer restart plan uh, on campus and our housing folks have been phenomenal uh, in efforting that. Um, SSC, the, the cleaning contractor on campus and custodial contractor has been phenomenal working with us in terms of uh, adjusted cleaning protocols um, for, I would say, much more in-depth cleaning every day. And even in some instances, we've done some midday cleanings if there was going to be a rotation of meetings where you might have used three meeting rooms in the morning and then in those same three meeting rooms in the afternoon, we'd get in there midday and clean those. So the cleaning folks have been phenomenal to help us uh, execute the medical protocols, you know, and then, um, you know, from a medical standpoint, I think there was a question about practices versus scrimmages in the fall. Um, fall will be kept primarily to, to practice and technical skill and drill development. Uh, obviously, we'll do some walkthroughs and those sort of pieces, but as much as possible, we'll maintain the social distancing and all the medical protocols that we have since June. 
Uh, Kevin, that kind of leads us into the next question. Um, uh, if student athletes graduate after the fall semester, but their season has been moved to the spring, do they still retain their eligibility for what's going to be a spring season? Yeah, the eligibility conversation is an interesting one, and we have gotten some guidance on that nationally where um, individuals that want to uh, to opt out this year or individuals that may not have the ability to compete uh, wherever we land with their particular sport uh, would have uh, an initial year of eligibility granted, so should they so choose. I'll give you an example. In the spring, we had uh, – uh, we called them super seniors, those seniors that would normally – uh, have finished up their, their fourth year and, and graduated or gone on, um, I would say more than half um, chose to go on with their, their plans for professional school or entering the workforce or what have you, and slightly less than half we were able to take care of uh, in terms of that additional uh, season of eligibility, and we will effort to do the same uh, in the fall sports should, should that become a need. Uh, but like I said, we're, we're anticipating being able to, uh, to compete uh, in the spring. Um, one, uh, one general question we had, Kevin, was just how the OVC athletic directors work together. And, uh, I know you, you all meet regularly anyway, but since March, it's been off the charts. <laughs> yeah, we've been two or three times a week. And, uh, I will say <clears throat> just in general, and I mentioned it in my letter on Friday that, that, uh, we posted to the, the website and, and on social media that. I'm, I am truly honored to serve with a passionate group of, of OVC directors of athletics uh, who place the safety and well-being of their student athletes first and foremost. Um, that piece has been been very good. Uh, and then to uh, to wrap up here, um, do you feel like your time with Mitch Barnhart at Kentucky helped prepare you for uh, dealing something like dealing with something like a pandemic? And have, have you been in contact with him and? other uh, people in college athletics that you've, you've developed a relationship with in your career? Yeah, and I appreciate that question, Dave. I may, uh, I may pause that question for a minute and let's, let's touch on, I think Adam just sent in a question about um, uh, the testing each week and the costs associated with that. Um, you know, Adam, that's a, obviously a good question. We, uh, we made the decision early on that we were going to aggressively and frequently test um, even above and beyond maybe what the, the national protocols called for because, because again, we were guided by the safety and well-being of the student athletes first and foremost and, and doing what we can to make good decisions to get us closer to practice and, and competing. Um, so for us, certainly the cost is a variable, uh, but similar to uh, the issues that we talked about, the finances of the decision um, to, to, for Murray State to postpone uh, non-conference to the spring if it's available. Uh, the same holds true with the cost of testing. Um, and if your guiding principle is the safety of the student athletes and their well-being, uh, then obviously we're willing to do that. Um, it does come at a significant cost. We've had some great uh, partners with that and certainly are appreciative of that. Um, but we've tested in accordance with the national, state, regional, and local guidance. Um, you know, campus has a, a plan for isolation and quarantine, and I would encourage you guys to go visit the Racer Restart uh, uh, website on campus that, that walks through that. Again, our student athletes are students, so we have uh, certainly had some input in, in that plan and, and, and follow that plan as it's been um, developed uh, over the summer. The health department is notified with any positive, whether it's a student or a student athlete. 
Um, and the, uh, the testing and administration of results is conducted in coordination with primary care on campus, um, which is the, uh, uh, the university's healthcare provider. So it's all under the, the same umbrella. Uh, but I hope that answers your question, Adam. Mitch, in, re in regards to the, the conversation about Mitch and experience at, at different spots, uh, Dave, I'm not, um, I'm not sure anybody's uh, fully equipped or prepared to navigate a pandemic. Um, but we've certainly uh, drawn our experiences and conversations with athletic directors throughout the country. I've had a, a blessed career to be able to work with um, six or seven sitting ADs at Power Five conferences and have regular conversations with those guys to help um, guide our decision-making and, and understanding of what it looks like at a national level. Obviously, Mitch and Connie, I've talked about it before, um, they have and continue to be mentors and strong influence in my family's life and certainly lean on that relationship uh, as well. I can recall numerous times in, in our time in Lexington or Kansas City or Manhattan where our staff has been met with significant challenges. Um, but in specifics to your question, Dave, the, the Mitch's leadership obviously is uh, imprinted on me, um, the ability to manage um, difficult scenarios. I'm not sure we trained on the pandemic or, or I may have missed that lesson uh, one particular day, but um, it's, it's certainly been um, a relationship that I value. I think I would close unless there's any other questions I would close with. I'm a big fan of Tony Dungy and I think he's a, a phenomenal football coach and an even better uh, individual. And ironically this morning I was reading um, the excerpt for August 17th and uncommon life, which is a book that he's uh, put together and that excerpt today said, uh, your life is an occasion, rise to it. And I think that's a, a good motivation for us in athletics administration and as a campus that we have an occasion here. And it's up to us to rise to it. That's certainly what we're called to do, and we'll continue to do that at Murray State. All right, that is Kevin Saul, Murray State's Director of Athletics. Again, there's a lot that we do know, and there's a lot that we don't know. Will there be uh, college basketball? Don't know. Will it be on time? Don't know. Will actually we have football games in the spring? Don't know. What will the schedule be? Don't know. Don't know any of it. So lots of questions to answer. Will uh, teams play in uh, regional bubbles, mini bubbles? Don't know. I mean, there's just so much. And it, this isn't just an OVC problem. This is a problem everywhere from schools to businesses, everything. There's so much about COVID-19 we don't know, and it seems to throw a curve at us, if not monthly, at least weekly sometimes, that uh, you know just don't figure on. So anyhow, uh, the next time we have news, I'll have an update for right now. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Neil Bradley Racer Report.